So I'd like to open up today by talking about the first time that I truly felt that connection to the divine, felt that connection to spirit. And it started when I started with my journey through this thing that we call New Thought, our, our set of teachings that we teach here at the center. And um, having read the whole textbook for our teaching, The Science of Mind, I found myself seeking out a community. I was looking for people who were talking about this thing that I was just learning about. And so I found myself at the Bodhi Spiritual Center in Chicago, and I started to take classes there. But while I found myself able to connect with these classes intellectually, I was having a hard time feeling that connection in my heart. It was easy for me to talk about the principles, these spiritual principles that we teach, and I felt like I understood them, but I didn't feel like I was necessarily embodying them. I didn't feel like I was experiencing them. And then things changed. I took another class. And it was a class that was centered around creating a direct relationship with our wise self, with that inner divine self, that part of us that's eternal. And the main event for this class was an all-day workshop that was centered around having that direct experience with this divine self. And what we did is we did a forgiveness practice. We went into a meditative state and we invited that divine self to take us deeper into a place of safety and a place of healing. And within that place, we visualized our parents, our grandparents, anybody who might have wronged us. And we asked that that energy of forgiveness be present to allow healing to take place. And of course, that included forgiveness for ourselves. And what was wonderful about this is it wasn't us who was doing the forgiving. It was that divine self within us that was doing the forgiving. And in that moment, I found myself overcome with this flood of emotion. And these were feelings that I had not felt for years. I started to have tears rolling down my eyes and I was bawling and crying. And I was not the only one, by the way, in this room. Everybody was. It was a really good workshop. And this was a big deal because up until that point, I could not tell you the last time that I had been able to shed tears for anything, let alone in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, boy. And what was wonderful about this, this release that I experienced, this healing, was that all of a sudden, this feeling of love and freedom started to wash over and move through me. It was as though I had let down all of my defenses, all of the barriers that I had put up between myself and God. And I had let go of all of the resentments that I held to those in life that I thought had wronged me, the resentments that I held with myself. And in that moment, I was free to feel unconditional love. And what I noticed was that this unconditional love was my natural state. I didn't have to go and get it anywhere. It was already there. And so what I had done in that moment that I didn't really know then and I know now is I had accessed my own internal song. And it was a beautiful song. And so that's our talk title today, The Internal Song. And that is what it does 
and that it is the divine. It's God, it's the universe, unconditional love. You can call it whatever feels comfortable to you, but the result when we're able to find our inner harmony and align with spirit is that. Now, Ernest Holmes, the founder of our movement, talks about this concept in the next chapter of the Science of Mind's introduction. And as our, is our tradition here at the center, and this is actually a tradition with many centers within our movement, um, every January we like to revisit this introduction because it's a wonderful reminder of all of these core spiritual principles that we teach. And Ernest tells us in this chapter this, he says, let us restate our principle. We are surrounded by an infinite possibility. It is goodness, life, law, and reason. It is expressing itself through us. It becomes more fully conscious of its own being. Therefore, it wishes to express through us. As it passes into our being, it automatically becomes the law of our lives. It can pass into expression through us only as we consciously allow it to do so. Therefore, we should have faith in it and its desires and its ability to do for us all that we ever need have done. Since it must pass through our consciousness to operate for us, we must be conscious of it doing so. Now, for much of my life, I thought that my good was outside of me. It was something that I'd have to go out and I'd have to get. But in that moment in that workshop, I realized something really important, and that was that there wasn't anything at all outside of me that I had to get. I already had that happiness within me. I already had the joy within me. I already had the love within me. And I also noticed that my striving, my seeking, my, my grasping for all of this good, it was creating disharmony within my mind. And that tracks with what we teach about this thing called the law, about spiritual principle. And as Ernest Holmes teaches us, he teaches us that the thoughts that we give power to, that we give our attention, that we give our focus to, are the thoughts that govern our lives. So if we're placing our emphasis on seeking, on grasping, on getting, then we will forever be seeking and grasping and getting. But if we can recognize that we already have unconditional love, that we're already one with this divine force for good, well, then that's what we'll experience in our lives. When we use our spiritual tools and principles, we're not using them to get something. We're using them instead to remove the blocks and the barriers and the masks and the blinders that we've put up to help us to fit in with the world, perhaps to get love and respect of those around us. We get rid of these barriers that maybe we put up because we felt like we wanted to hide from the world that we needed to close off our heart from the world because we didn't want to get hurt. Now, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget this principle that this unconditional love is within me. And in those moments, I forget who I am. I forget my inherent connection to everything, 
And sometimes I notice that I have to take a twisty winding path before I realize that I already have that which I've been seeking. Sometimes it's a little clumsy. Sometimes I stumble and fall and (laughs) have to have others help me get back up again. And in those times, I find it helpful to remind myself that there is indeed hope, that there's a path back to that wholeness, that unconditional love within me. And there's a story, a parable that I love um, that I've taken some liberties with to modernize it a little bit. Um, but it'll probably sound a little bit familiar to many of you here. And I'd like to share that with you today. So once upon a time, there was a mom that owned a coffee shop. And she had a son and she had a daughter. She loved her son and her daughter very much. And pretty soon, the son and the daughter, they grew up. The son, who was the oldest, and he felt very responsible, he told his mom, I can see that you've got so much going on with this coffee shop. Let me help you out as best as I can. And so his mom said, wisely, smiling, okay. (laughs) Now in the son's mind, he was also thinking just a little bit, gee, you know, my mom, she's pretty well off. We've got a lot of customers at this coffee shop. And if I take good care of her, if I work really hard, well, I bet she might give me a big inheritance. Hmm. Okay. Now, the younger daughter, well, she was a bit of a party animal. (laughs) And she was a little bit of an opportunist, too. And she asked her mom for a huge sum of money so that she might travel and explore the world. She thought about it, and she's like, "Eh, I don't really want anything to do with this coffee shop business. Nah, it's not for me. And so her mom smiled wisely and said, okay. And so the daughter took the money and she booked a flight to Bali and she wasn't seen or heard from for years. (laughs) Meanwhile, the older son toiled and worked for his mom in the coffee shop. And as time passed, he grew resentful, not just of his mom, but of his little sister who was partying all around the world. Why did she get to go off to party? Why am I stuck here being the responsible one? And so he grew to loathe his barista responsibilities. One day, the mom and the older brother learned that that younger sister, well, she landed herself in jail in Vegas. Having gambled away what was left of the money she had been given, made some bad cryptocurrency investments, she lost it all. So the younger sister FaceTimed her mom, (laughs) telling her how sorry she was to have wasted the money. And she asked humbly if she might come home. And she said that she learned that that money and that parting, while, yeah, it was fun in the short term, ultimately she was feeling empty and alone. And she remembered back to the times when she was with her mom and her brother in that coffee shop. And she remembered them as some of the happiest of her life. And so she told them that she wanted to come back home. And her mom 
smiled wisely and said, okay. Now the older brother, having overheard this conversation, was furious. He yelled at his mom in a fit of righteousness, asking why she would let his deadbeat younger sister come back to work for them. And his mom replied, smiling wisely. She did not know love. And so she needed to travel and party and spend money so she could realize what love isn't. And you, my beautiful son, do not know love. And so you had to toil and work to learn what love isn't. In our coffee shop, there are no conditions around love. It is given freely. You both simply needed to learn in your own individual ways to open your hearts to accept it. So Ernest teaches us that we are working with definite principles that are ever-present. They are the very nature of reality itself. Those principles are love, wholeness, abundance, goodness, and they are the fabric of our reality. And he teaches us that as we turn to them, as we align our thinking with them, aligning with spiritual truth, that is when we experience that good with a big old capital G in our lives. We are not the source of this good, but rather a channel by which it is able to express through us individually, through our thoughts and our actions. Now, because the unconditional love and acceptance of the divine is always with us, the good news is we always have the opportunity to turn back to it to allow it into our lives. And we can remind ourselves of this truth through our prayer, through our meditation, through being here in this amazing spiritual community. Now, I started to wonder though, why don't we always do this? Why don't I always do this? Because I don't always do this. And in my case, sometimes what I have to do to open to that love, I notice it doesn't feel safe. Sometimes I find myself running into an old habit that is blocking me from being able to experience that love. And sometimes those habits, they're so normal, it can feel frightening to consider something new. And so I end up choosing that which is normal rather than that which I know is good. Now I can tell that these habits aren't working for me because usually they feel a little weird, a little unnatural. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like I'm trying to force myself through a situation or to control. I noticed this with retail therapy, for example, (laughs) where, oh boy, it feels so good and then it doesn't. And I notice that when I examine these habits, that they're usually rooted in a fundamental mistrust, a mistrust that my good is already here. 
they're easy for me to recognize because I see them seeking to get something outside of myself and putting a condition on me getting that good. And so when I recognize them and I see that, oh yeah, this is not working, then I can choose something new. And that's such a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing that we have as human beings is that we have the power of choice. And that choice might be, okay, I need to go talk to my therapist about this because I've got an old program that's running and I need to have him help me undo that. Or it might be I'm going to spend some time in prayer and meditation and I'm going to do the work to open my heart to a different path, a path that is aligned with love and wholeness and goodness. I can do the work to really examine why I might be putting these barriers to that unconditional love up in my life. Why I feel like doing certain things are going to keep me safe when they also make me feel a little alone. And I notice when I do that, that sometimes, well, yeah, that safety is not really rooted in reality. It's just a story I created up in my mind. And there's an old Sufi Islam story that illustrates this really well. And um, because it has a cow in it, I had to share this. (laughs) And it goes like this. Junaid was going through the marketplace of the town with his disciples and it, it was his way to take any situation and use it as a teaching. And he saw a man was dragging a cow by a rope. And Junaid said, wait to the man and told his disciples, surround this man and the cow. I am going to teach you something. It's very proper in the way that he was doing this. <laughs> so the man stopped because Junaid was a famous mystic and he was also interested in what he was going to teach these disciples and how he was going to use him and the cow in this teaching. And so Junaid asked his disciples, I ask you one thing, who is bound to whom? Is the cow bound to this man or is the man bound to this cow? And of course, the disciples said, the cow is bound to the man. The man is the master. He's holding the rope. The cow has to follow him wherever he goes. He is the master and the cow is the slave. And Junaid smiled and he said, now see. And he took out his scissors and he cut the rope and the cow ran away. <laughs> The man ran after the cow and Junaid said, now look what is happening. Now you see who is the master. The cow is not interested at all in this man. In fact, she is escaping. And the man was very angry and he said, what kind of experiment is this? But Junaid said to his disciples, and this is the case with your mind. All that nonsense that you carry inside is not interested in you. You are interested in it. You are keeping it together somehow. (laughs) You are becoming mad in keeping it together somehow. But you are interested in it. The moment that you lose interest, the moment you understand the futility of it, it will start disappearing. Like the cow it will escape. So once we have this understanding of how these habits, these thoughts, these beliefs don't work for us in our lives, it becomes much easier for us to let them go. 
And that's ultimately what we work toward with our spiritual practice, with the work that we do. We're working toward letting go of the things that get in the way of us experiencing that unconditional love that is a fundamental principle of life itself. And this letting go, I know it can be challenging. It can be hard. But the good news is there are some really concrete and proven strategies and techniques that we can employ to make this process easier. And if this sounds interesting to you, we're going to dive into um, a practice that I love on our upcoming Wednesday evening service where we're going to work with our inner children that can oftentimes carry these burdens and put up these barriers in our lives. But for now, we have another practice that I'd like to share with you that it's a little bit shorter, but it's also a wonderful way to help us to let go. And sometimes we carry these burdens, don't we? These burdens in our lives that put up barriers to the good within us. And so I invite you right now to consider a burden that you may be carrying in your life. This should be something that it doesn't feel super great to carry. And there should be some part of you that wants to let go of this burden. Now, if it feels comfortable and you've got this burden in mind, I invite you to go ahead and close your eyes. And imagine that this burden is a stone that you hold in your hands. And if you find visualization challenging, you might imagine the sensation of what it's like to hold that stone. What does the stone feel like? How heavy is it? Does it feel sandy and gritty or is it maybe smooth like glass? How long do you feel like you've been holding this stone? Now another question for you to consider as you hold this rock. What feelings do you feel in your body as you hold it? Now I invite you to imagine that you are in the presence of that inner wise self, that divine self. You might imagine it as this beautiful glowing being that is the core of who you are. It is love and you can feel its love and its compassion radiating out over you and through you. If you like, you can ask your wise self, your divine self, do I need to keep on carrying this burden? And simply wait for the answer. It's possible that the answer is yes. And if that's so, that's okay. And you can simply ask your divine self if there's maybe another burden that it is okay for you to release right now. And if the answer that your wise self gave you is that you don't need to keep carrying this burden. You can let it go. And I invite you to imagine that before you, there is a stone altar. And if you like, you may go up to it and set this rock upon it as an affirmation of your willingness to let go. And as you set the rock down on this altar, 
take note of any feelings that you feel and where they might be showing up in your body. And if you like, you can ask your wise self if there's anything that you need to know about this burden that you have just released, that you've just let go. And I invite you now to take this moment to thank your divine self, to thank it for helping to guide you, for sharing its love with you. And if you want, you can ask it if it might be willing to help you to stay in touch with it in the days and the weeks to come. If it might help you to carry any burdens that you do have to carry so that they don't feel quite so heavy. Let us take a deep breath. Ah, Letting out a sigh. Ah. And when you feel ready, go ahead and open your eyes. When we can truly let go, the wonders of the universe become so clear to us. The simplest dandelion becomes a thing of great beauty and the challenges of life feel a little bit less challenging. Our heart sings songs of hope and joy and the melody of our soul joins in harmony with all those around us to create a grand symphony of oneness with the barriers between us shed away like old scales. We're able to connect and become something greater than we were all by ourselves. A new soul is born out of this collective, out of our collective unburdened hearts. And it's that soul that I believe is the key to us realizing a world that works for all. And so let's take this into prayer. (sighs) How good it is to be in the presence of that unconditional love, that divine one, that divine wholeness and goodness and perfection. It is here now just as it is everywhere. And I know myself to be one with it. Just as I know that each and every person in our sanctuary, on our live stream, we are all one with that wholeness, that love, that good, that perfection. And so I claim here and now that there is an atmosphere of opening that each and every individual divine self within each and every one of us makes it so easy for our hearts to open to that divine connection, to allow the good of the one to channel as and through us and to enhance our lives and to just grow in the world, to grow the experience of good in the world. I know that here we are, each of us, a beacon of light, a beacon of this spiritual truth, and that this good ever the more allows us to live the life of our dreams. And so I call that forth, knowing it to be so, knowing that that divine guide within each and every one of us just makes it so easy, so effortless, maybe even a little fun. And so I am grateful for this, grateful for the opening of our hearts. And I release this word into that law that always says, yes. And together we say, and so it is.